If two wrongs don't make a right, try three. Lawrence J. Peter. You're listening to Writing Roots, brought to you by Aspen House Publishing. Welcome to Writing Roots. I'm Lee Hull. And I'm Lee S's. We're continuing our series of redoing past episodes. And on this episode, we wanted to focus on the rule of three. We covered that in series six, so fairly early on in episode eight. I'm fairly certain we were kind of tired that day. This is the first episode I remember recording going, we could have done that better. And later on this month and later on that month, there was another that we did was of a similar capacity. So we are no guarantees on more awake, but we're ready to redo this one again. (laughs) That is true. (laughs) Tackling this episode again, there's a lot of stuff that we've learned since we originally did this. And that's another reason, not just because we think we could do better, but because there are some things about the rule of three that we've learned in the last three years. There are a lot of really useful ways that the number three is used, and storytelling is definitely not excluded from that. We talk about it a lot, the three-act structure. Three is a basic structure that is used in the majority of storytelling these days. You have the three-act structure, you have the three trials or three chances for the characters. And anytime that you're trying to establish that something is different from before, it happens on the third time. You don't want it to be so often that it's redundant, but you want the third time to feel like this time it's different. Because if you have, say, one instance of a character eating a chocolate chip cookie, and then you have them eating a chocolate chip cookie again, that kind of establishes that maybe their favorite cookie is chocolate chip. But then if you want to throw that off, you have the character eating an oatmeal raisin cookie. But if you have that happen just the second time, there is no real pattern established that you can then break. It's really just that they like cookies. Which I can't blame them for. Another thing that we've learned about the rule of threes is that it is often associated with morality in some way. Three is an important number in Christianity. Three is also an important number in other religions, other moral-based systems. And even in fairy tales, you have a lot of the times a pattern of three within fairy tales to represent morality. Cinderella, her two evil stepsisters, and Cinderella the third was the moral one. And the exception, which I think is a lot of what makes her interesting. And this is not necessarily to say that your three things in your story are going to happen at three separate times. They can in those three separate trials, three separate acts. But you can also have those three things to establish a pattern happen back to back. You see this a lot in jokes where a priest, a rabbi, and an atheist walk into a bar. You've got these three things clumped together. If you started naming off more, it would be too much and people would start forgetting. If you had fewer, we would put more stock into what specifically these people have as their professions and ideologies. It's also very useful in establishing, again, that kind of twisted third option. So an example from the classic Dick Van Dyke show, you have, can I get you anything? Cup of coffee, donut, toupee? (laughs) So it's very useful with comedy as well. 
Which is a lot of what we spent last time we did this episode, centering it around. But when we did this episode, we did have a handful of topics that we wanted to make sure we reiterate these are still useful things about the rule of three to consider. The first is when you're using the rule of three, you are making a point with that third instance of whatever it is. When it comes to using the rule of three to make a point, it is centered around making sure that it's clear. So a list of something, maybe a quick list of the emotions that the character is experiencing. Each one gets upgraded a little bit. So they're sad and then they're frustrated and then they're furious. Or like the example a moment ago, cup of coffee, donut, toupee. There's an escalating kind of energy with that. Offering someone a cup of coffee is very commonplace. Toupee is very specific to the moment. And then, of course, you can have the three things scattered across the book. These need to be bigger events so that it's something obvious, is something that the characters will look at and say, oh, this happened before, and they actually remember it. Otherwise, if it's too small, they won't remember, they won't recognize, and your point that you're trying to make is lost. So when it's scattered across the book, you're often showing the character changing in some way. You put the same circumstances in front of your character, and if they respond the same way the first two times, and then completely different on the third time, the character has changed. All of the stimulus, all of the input is the same, but the process and therefore the output are different. So an example of this would be in The Shawshank Redemption, Red appears before the parole board three times. The first two of those are basically identical. The third time is different because that is when we get to see how Red changed after Andy left. And as we mentioned a moment ago, and we will also be mentioning next episode, the rule of three lends itself really well to comedy because when you throw someone into a pattern and then immediately throw them out, it can lean into that surprise and make you laugh a little bit. It's important to follow this rule when it comes to comedy because if you do more than three, it loses the comedic effect. It makes the joke feel very stretched out, like it took way too long. We were talking with a friend of ours who went to see the new Thor movie, which I am still disappointed is not called Thor 4 More Thor, but... (laughs) (laughs) That probably would have been funnier. He was talking about this repeating running joke that they had through the movie of screaming goats. And it happened so much and so often that it lost the comedy because it just became commonplace within the movie, within the writing, and how the story progressed. So it lost all that comedic effect because it happened too much. It's no longer funny. So how many times do I answer banana after you say who's there in the knock-knock joke before I say orange, you're glad I didn't say banana? You do two, you change it on the third, and that's your rule of three. So some things to take away from the rule of three that you should be thinking about is the role of the second and the middle child in this is to kind of get lost in the mix. They just see, oh, this is exactly like the first one, 
and I don't have to think about it. I don't have to think through it because I've already comprehended the first parole board meeting. I don't have to think about the second parole board meeting because it's identical to the first. The purpose of the second one is to establish that pattern. If you make it different, it's not a pattern. So going back to the cookie example, if they have a chocolate chip cookie and then a oatmeal raisin cookie and then a white chocolate chip macadamia nut cookie, then again, there's no actual pattern that's been established other than they like cookies. So as little love as the second occurrence gets, that is actually the key to using the rule of three well. But remember, it may get lost within memory. So if you're doing a quick list of something, you don't want the most important one to be the middle. You need it to either be the beginning or the end. We've talked about white space and paragraphing in the past. And one of the things we mention is when people are reading, especially if they get really excited and they start reading very quickly, they don't remember the middle of a paragraph. They remember the beginning and the end of the paragraph. So choosing how to paragraph will also lean into how memory works. And this rule of three is a great example. Another thing that's important to remember and consider when you're using this rule is that the three is supposed to be unusual. It's supposed to be particular and meant to stand out. In photography and cinemography, we also have a rule of thirds, and it's where things are placed. You always place it on a third because that's naturally where the eye goes. Brains, for some reason, really like thirds. Third time's the charm. And a lot of things come in groups of three, not only to make them memorable, but to give it an element of fairness and equality to all the pieces. So in the U.S., we have three branches of government. No one side has the majority of power. They all have to kind of work together. In Christianity, you have the three facets of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. A little more expansive, the three parts of a person's personality are the mind, body, soul. Anytime you see three things listed, they are meant to be listed as a grouping and all equals. So all of these are different ways that you can use the rule of thirds, how to use it. It's important to keep in mind when you're structuring your story, when you're trying to find those little pieces that are going to play throughout your book, but also with your sentence structure, with your phrasing. You want to have this rule of thirds in mind through your entire writing process because it will sound better it naturally feels better to the reader if things come in groups of three. And it'll help your writing make an impact, which is a lot of why we write, not only to have an impact to other people, but to have an impact on ourselves. So one way that you can make sure you make an impact is to write selfishly. If you have a question or comment for our hosts or a topic you'd like us to cover, send us an email at writingroots@aspenhousepublishing.com or find us on Facebook by searching for Aspen House Publishing. 